0: hello hello and welcome to hometown daily the news show powered by hometown.com i am mayor watt that is hometown.com and up there is the visualizer for the sentient ai from the future that keeps an eye from on high on my yeah couldn't couldn't flip that anyway on mayor watt so uh you want to say hello
1: good evening hometown citizens
0: so welcome to the show today. We're going to be talking about, well, 10 articles already selected. Droning yourself delays flight. Who knew time crystals calls, dropped superb owl balls. 1 million frogs, a piece dropped off a spaceship Mmm. forever. Chemicals weeks of leaks, YouTube RGB and under the sea. And more. All right. Let's just get into the shoe. Oh my goodness. Did I mess this up right out of the gate? So we don't really edit anything. We just do the show. Okay. I have, I updated it before the show started. Yeah. So we're we're doing today, February 6th, 2024. Uh, all of the articles that we talk about are actually found in a, uh, an option. You can go over and look at the news you can vote on stuff, article voting. Once you become a citizen, you can do things like ignore articles and save articles, and you can even submit citizen news. You have to sign in though. You have to become a citizen of hometown um, that said there's 50 channels, actually 47 are active, but we've selected 10 from across the spectrum of shows, whatever we think is actually fun and, and newsworthy eh, discussion. we hometown worthy, I suppose, just to be more specific. Um, but let's get into it. Sound good? Sounds good. The first article, oh, before I even get into this, oh, man, the news is hilarious about certain events taking place. We don't really talk about those events, but pretty darn funny, that snarky above the law stuff, Um, which I was on an airplane recently, and the couple in front of me um. We're giggling about an uh, above-the-law article, <laughs> and uh, I heard the the one person, the couple, uh, one person say, isn't she an attorney? <laughs> and I knew exactly <laughs> who they were referring to. Yeah, quite fascinating. Anyway, uh, the very first article is over in Ometown Daily. It, that is a channel within Ometown.com. It's also the name of this show. A Pennsylvania man who took drone selfies at a stadium and delayed an AFC championship game now faces up to four years in prison, according to prosecutors.
1: Well, I didn't even know a drone selfie was a thing. But I didn't know it was prison worthy either.
0: You know, you've never wanted to drone yourself? (laughs) What? I mean, in Arrested Development, he was bluing himself all the time.
1: Oh, goodness.
0: Lamar Jackson, number eight of the Baltimore Ravens, runs the ball during the AFC Championship NFL football game against the Kansas City Chiefs at M&T Bank Stadium. It's like Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. I think it actually has a third name added to it. On January 8th... Sorry, January 28th, 2024. That is the caption for the picture we're about to see. But the article says, a man who delayed an NFL game while taking drone selfies now faces federal charges. According to prosecutors, that's right, a 44-year-old grown-ass man mistakenly Mm -hmm. thought he was allowed to fly his drone at the time for prosecutors. He could be sentenced up to four years in prison if convicted. Really, who doesn't know that you're, you know, you're not allowed to just fly a drone wherever the hell you want to. How did it? Did they? How was it possible that they brought it into?
1: That's a great question. Maybe they had it like in the. Well, I mean, if they had it in the parking lot, how did they? I don't know.
0: Is that where they did it, do you think? Okay, let's see. So M- Matthew Lowe over at businessinsider.com uh, put the article together. And like I said, that, I already said the caption for the picture um, so whenever we I basically read the little caption for the picture so that when we go over to it we can I and mean, that's kind of how this works <laughs> um, just as a side note just so the how the sausage is going to be made for every episode uh, the AI might be getting attacked by uh, an intruder in their skiff just <laughs>
1: Yes, there is a strong possibility of that.
0: Okay, just wanted to let you know. So, um, a 44-year-old man faces up to four years in federal prison f- because he flew a drone over a National Football League game in Baltimore. Matthew Hebert from Chad's Ford, Pennsylvania, which, that sounds so British. It You know, from Chad's Ford. Oh, I on...
1: thought it sounded like Ruth's Chris.
0: <laughs> yeah, that too. Um, Flew his drone over the M&T Bank Stadium on January 28th as the Baltimore Ravens and Kansas City Chiefs faced off for the AFC Championship, according to a Justice Department statement. Ebert flew the drone at around 330 feet for about two minutes and took at least six photos of himself and the stadium and during the game. The incursion of an unidentified and unapproved drone was deemed a serious enough threat that NFL security temporarily suspended the game.
1: Oh, wow. Can you imagine what were the announcers saying?
0: <laughs> there is an illegal device hovering above the stadium. Can you imagine <laughs> announcing that? The
1: yard line. <laughs> exactly. The whole Maybe stadium. Maybe the referees making the statement.
0: <laughs> lose their shit. Um... In this case, the restriction was put in place one hour before the Raven's Chiefs game started and lasted one hour after the game finished for prosecutors. See, now, the FAA actually... Okay, if your drone is actually licensed and configured properly, these temporary flight restrictions, if I recall correctly, um, and I may not, so correct me in chat, correct me in email, I mean, send an email to mayor at hometown.com, I get these. Um the drone actually stops before it can oh, enter that airspace. Like
1: an auto um, correct. It's like, like Oklahoma or something with, uh, yeah.
0: yeah. So according to prosecutor, he Hebert told police he purchased the drone from manufacturer DJI and that an app for his drone would prevent it from being flown inside an area under a flight restriction prosecutor said Hebert relied exclusively on the Dji application to know if he was allowed to fly the drone however the app didn't stop Hebert from flying over the stadium that day and he told police that he assumed that it was meant that it was all clear to fly around the blah 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 well Hebert's drone isn't registered so he didn't have remote pilot license to operate it and I think because of that it doesn't activate that
1: oh, okay. block.
0: So now he faces charges of willfully violating United States National Defense airspace and knowingly serving as an airman or an airman um, without an airman's certificate. Uh, look, I <laughs> I like that they throw it in there. Meanwhile, the Chiefs, I won't ruin the game if anybody has a question. Anyway, yeah, pretty amazing. And so if you have, there's an expectation of performance. The person actually admitted that And you really have to read the room at this point. You know, is he believable that he relied on the DJI application? Here's the problem with that. This person single-handedly is going to require manufacturers to enforce that that fence on all drones. Because of this alone, the policy is going to be that every single drone has to be registered before it can be
1: exactly think for, how I, much damage this person did
0: like you buy it and you have to register it at the time of purchase because it's getting to the point where i watched a video the other day where somebody flew the drone over what amounted to a top secret facility um that was for counterterrorism. oh goodness and the person's like well i've totally flown over this before and he goes you're admitting to the crime multiple times (laughs) now additional
1: violations yeah
0: (laughs) um so your
1: flight data thank you (laughs) yeah exactly
0: we're taking your drone and we're uh, gonna be pressing charges i actually don't know what the end result of that was but the dude posted the video so i guess he's still out and about but he was told it was a counterterrorism facility Come on, dipshit. (laughs) So anyway, I thought it was really astonishing, but you're going to end up where everybody has to, they have to have an airman's license. They have to get it registered. And that software has to be untampered with because there are ways to basically blank it out and fly it wherever the hell you want to. But now willful becomes abundantly... Uh, purposeful, you know, it's not just willful, but you intentionally modified your device to disable the GPS fencing, a uh, geo fencing. So yeah, this guy, four years for two minutes of flight. Let me tell you, I don't think you got that much joy from two minutes, you know, <laughs> just saying. All right, let's keep on going. Sound good?
1: sounds
0: good the next article is over in the mobile channel a time crystal survived a whopping 40 minutes i've tried to do some research into this let's just say it's above my pay grade but we'll talk about it a team of physicists in germany managed to create a time crystal that demonstrably lasts 40 minutes 10 million times longer than other known crystals and could persist for even longer so i hope so go ahead
1: When I saw the headline for this, I didn't know if it was in reference to a game or what. So I did click. I didn't um, actually read the article yet, but I don't know what this is about at all.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. So let's read the article and see if I can try and explain this. Because this is... This is... uh, (laughs) bizarre i mean the physics involved in this is is really like mind-boggling me so that's a really long time for a time crystal at least according to this article that's the dex team and isaac schultz over at gizmodo.com put the article together a team of physicists in germany managed to create a time crystal that demonstrably lasts 40 minutes 10 million times longer than other known crystals we've talked about time crystals before in the past um let's just say Even then, I didn't know. Even now, I don't know. But where something can be a crystalline structure in space, this has a structure in time. Now, does that make sense to you?
1: No. No. right?
0: It doesn't make sense to me either. I actually did additional reading, and I'm still sitting there going, okay, there's something oozing out of my ear right now. I think it might be my brain. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. ordinary crystals I, mean,
1: I get that it's like a significant advancement but i don't really appreciate why <laughs> yeah
0: exactly yeah. isaac schultz obviously has read the same stuff that i've read because they write ordinary crystals by which i mean crystals in macro scale space are solids whose atoms are arranged as in a highly organized pattern that's how you get a crystal diamonds snowflakes and table salts are all crystalline time crystals are structures whose Lowest energy states have highly ordered patterns or periodic periodicity um, in space and time. Time crystals were predicted to also have properties suddenly change at a given time, even without some external factors inducing such a change. So at some point, chaos takes over and they change properties. What are these properties? No idea. Um, I never got that far in the reading. My brain started hurting. Um, so in this t- in this way, time crystals break time translation, symmetry, the idea that a chunk of stable matter will not change without external factors. If you drag it to a different point in time, time crystals change on a metaphysical whim, regardless of when they are. Right. Um, absolutely bizarre.
1: I would be scrambled right now.
0: Yeah. So these things actually change their characteristics in time without anything influencing them except time, which is supposed to be physics defying, except that when you're starting to talk about time, temporology, um, it. Everything that we understand pretty much kind of flies out the window, much like my brain out of my head. Um, So the new time crystal is an electron nuclear spin system. The team excited the material with polarized laser light, which is basically the new orange is the new black kind of a thing. Lasers are everywhere. (laughs) Um, Polarizing the spins of the nuclei in the system. This caused the indium gallium arsenide to produce oscillations um rendering it equivalent to a time crystal and a crystal that m- many crystals os- oscillate um, so according to a tu dortmund university release so based on the results we can imagine this type of hardware becoming a compact highly flexible on-chip frequency standard apparently it falls apart I mean, so point. we could
1: use it in our time machine in Town?
0: and maybe not cause problems with the rest of the solar system or the galaxy, Um, like we are experiencing now. That's why it heats up quite a bit um, because more and more uh, quantum particles are impacting our dual black hole powered time machine. Yes, that this might be able to at least cause everything to stay in sync and we can go back in time for a longer time. So, um, so it's interesting, but where this actually ends up, um, I ended up in the same place as the author of this article where they ended with, um, in other words, there's plenty more physics where that came from. So buckle your quantum seatbelt. So just like <laughs> we have to do in our time machine. All right. Um, So Isaac Schultz actually put this together, like I said, and um, based on what I've read from this, they also read the same um, articles and and perhaps papers because they all kind of frame it the same way. Um, Time crystals are time based temporal um, crystalline structures. Uh, It's just kind of amazing that somebody woke up one day and said, hey, let's do that. (laughs)
1: exactly we've figured out everything we can completely see let's let's tinker in other areas
0: yeah it's honestly it's bizarre to me i I really don't i don't know how anybody can do it um the maths would make my head just explode
1: exactly
0: Uh, the next article is over in the word in law don't let them drop us no we must stay in the 18th century landline users protest at&t copper retirement plan AT&T's application to end its landline obligations in California is drawing protests from residents as state officials consider whether to let AT&T off the hook AT&T filed an application to end its carrier of last resort obligation in March, 2023. The thing about this is it's almost cheaper and more It's definitely more convenient to have a cell phone. Um, and even if it is an entry level cell phone, um, you, you gain greater access than a copper line. The only problem is if the cell network fails, um, but copper lines, you're bound by being within arm's reach of a telephone. So I I don't know. I I've done this with other companies, where you basically calculate how much are you going to lose by dropping the people that are slowing down the acceleration of your company. Um, And, and really, if there is evidence to support that you are spending a massive amount of money, supporting copper for a very few number of people, It should be allowed for a business to just like step away Um, to some degree.
1: People even use landlines in younger generations.
0: Yeah, exactly. But it all depends on if there is a solution that's available and it's, you know, equitable. Um, True. For instance, there's some companies, like I'm watching a company that uh, provides the back end for something that is used in the hometown lab. And if that company collapses, a major piece of equipment can no longer be used. And I'm watching them fire people.
1: Yes, I happen to see that.
0: Yeah. So if it if it closes, then we don't have a solution for that particular device, um, unless somebody modifies or provides a modification. So. It should be incumbent on the company to provide a solution just like AT&T drop the copper but provide cell service like for the same rate, get them moved over, facilitate the progression. Will it happen? I don't know. Ars Technica put the article together. John Brodkin is the author of it. The deck statement says California hears protests as AT&T seeks to end carrier of last resort obligation. Basically, they have to provide some basic service. If approved by the CPUC, over 580,000 affected AT&T customers can be left with fewer options in terms of choice, quality, and affordability, warns the rural county representatives of California. Alternative services such as VoIP and wireless have no obligation to serve a customer or provide equivalent services to AT&T landline customers. Including no obligation to provide reliable access to 911 or Lifeline program discounts, but that's not actually true. They do. Every cell phone has 911 built into it. So, and and the sophistication of 911 triangulation services means that you can be anywhere, call 911, and they know the general location of where you are. It may take a little that's bit of time, but um, the the it's much more sophisticated than it was in the eighties. So should a company be forever bound to old school technologies when there are solutions that are available Um, simply because what historical, whatever, uh, I just don't buy into it. I
1: mean, I think that's a problem because of innovation and it's like you're, trying to serve like 1% of the population or something and spending gobs of money.
0: Yeah, 580,000 though. I mean, that is a huge number of customers for a company other than AT&T.
1: It is, but it's also like, are 580,000 people really that tied to their landlines or do they just have those?
0: Look, I really love my rotary dial phone. (laughs) i was using it before it became hip give it 20 more years when the world collapses under the the end of capitalism right and everything goes dystopian and we have to start trading goats for um you know whatever i don't know a wet wipe or something whatever it is Oh, right.
1: Like one of those little packets that you get from a fast food place. That's right. That was in the book of Eli, I think.
0: That's right. (laughs) Very good. Wow. (laughs) I like that. That was good. Um, So, yeah, it says, please don't let them drop us. I don't know. I have a hard time with this. The docket has received over 2,100 comments in the past three weeks and about 2,300 overall that are overwhelmingly opposed to ATT's ts plan. And there are another 600 comments on a separate docket for a related AT&T application. Pardon me while I scream at something. Um, There you go. So carrier of last resort must provide service to anyone. AT&T recently filed an objection to how opponents are describing its phone service plans. AT&T filing January 26 disputed claims that low income households could see their bills double and that AT&T has stated that it intends to shut down its telephone network so shut it down versus can't they sell it to somebody that can still provide the last Can somebody
1: else operate it but who is left really i mean this is the whole mergers and acquisition problem
0: yeah i mean we've literally allowed it to get painted into a corner but we had this problem before at&t was broken up into baby bells and now it just reconstituted it itself just as a cell service there, exactly yeah so cpuc says in a summary of the situation that at and is the designated um uh, what do they call it something of last r- resort oh
1: provider or carrier maybe
0: carrier of last resort thank you um in many parts of the state and is the largest uh carrier of last resort in california this means that the company must provide traditional landline telephone service to any potential customer in that service territory well look AT&T yeah, that's kind of a
1: problem like last one standing ends up I, I don't know uh.
0: you bought into it knowing that you are the carrier of last resort so lick your wounds and stay providing the service until you urge them, try and and coax them out of their shell of copper and move them to sell service. Make it interesting enough, compelling enough that they want to move. Make it their idea by providing them a a formidable discount, you know, not just, oh, we'll take 5% off like they do. No, you know, give them two years of free service and have them move over And then when everybody is moved over and I'm not talking about, you know, waiting until there's only two people and then pull the plug, you know, get it down to, you know, 50,000 people and go, okay, look, everybody else and their grandmother is willing to move. So why don't you bounce? Um, Honestly, I don't think that a company should be forced to provide services, but there should be something of a solution so that the, uh, the what's the concept? The expectation of performance is fulfilled in some way.
1: But how would that work if a company I know it's not likely for a company of at&t size, but mm. what if a company actually went under? Like let's say it was the last carrier. Right. What would we do?
0: Nothing. That's just it. Exactly. If ATT That's went under. I don't
1: really understand this.
0: Right. So, I mean, it's kind of like indentured servitude. They're being forced to work um, and it's being operated at a negative, perhaps, um, which violates the fiduciary duty of any of the leadership within the company. So, I guess that gets nixed when the state is saying it's okay. Don't worry about your losses. (laughs) So in, in addition to its uh, carrier of last resort application, AT&T has asked California to let it give up its designation as an eligible telecommunication carrier or ETC. The ETC designation allows AT&T to receive money from the U.S. government's universal service fund, including the federal lifeline program. AT&T would still be eligible for California's state lifeline program. And by relinquishing its ETC design uh, designation, AT&T will no longer be eligible to receive federal support to provide Lifeline, which could potentially affect all current AT&T Lifeline customers. Basically punting the support from the federal government so that they can jack prices up.
1: Right, but then that means even people beyond that area, of course, are impacted.
0: Correct. And this is the problem with mergers and acquisitions like I've always had. When competition is diminished, so are the benefits to consumers. Meanwhile, they market it all this bullshit that, hey, um, this merger is going to facilitate expanded capabilities, growth benefits to the customers, et cetera, et cetera. But no, that's not what happens. People get fired. Options are diminished. Customer pays more options are uh less up there are fewer updates and and the consumer in general just takes it right to the chin and that's being generous <laughs> yeah i see the <laughs> ai giggling over there okay well anyway um there's more over here at this article um at ars technica by john brodkin but follow the link and uh, you'll be able to glean some more from it If you're impacted by this kind of thing or you know somebody who might be, you might want to read this um, and then um, bring it to their doorstep because you're not going to be able to call them too soon. Uh, So um, the hill always messes up um, the aggregation process. So I'll fix this after the show. Um, But where do Super Bowl? Oh pardon me, superb owl balls come from. (laughs) uh, This tiny Ohio town has been doing it since 1955. Uh, There is a video that's actually relevant to it, but it auto plays and uh, I've been here for a little while. Um, What's interesting about this is I've actually seen this before. Um, When I was younger, I actually watched a video about how footballs were made um, and it was oh, okay. this place. Yeah, uh, the town, home to Ohio Northern University, is located in Ohio's Hardin County. The 2020 census listed its population as little more than 5,300 people. 5,300 people.
1: I mean, that's the size of like a. That might be how many people are shopping in a larger city, or. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's like the the people that go and shop at a grocery store
1: exactly or like that's less than the people filling a stadium or whatever. oh my gosh yeah this is like a local stadium
0: yeah yeah double a ball kind of thing so ada (coughs) ohio um is the location it served as the home of the wilson sporting goods plant for nearly seven decades manufacturing football since 1955. Wilson's website said the facility produces more than 700,000 handmade footballs a year. We're three, bro- three blocks off of Main Street. We're in Ada, Ohio. Nobody knows we're here. We get the lights on and we're making superb owl balls. And we're the only ones who can do it, said plant manager Andy Wintling, which, by the way, all it takes is a competitor. To sit there and sell the idea that Wilson sporting goods shouldn't be the only manufacturer of footballs that meet the NFL requirements. And unless there's a whole lot of conspiracy going on, (laughs) there has to be another provider of footballs.
1: Well, absolutely. I mean, and if there isn't.
0: Yeah. What's going on here? Why isn't there, you know? There can't be only I mean, one do they have one of
1: those ridiculous contracts with them? Like it's a hundred years or Lifetime. something. Lifetime,
0: yeah. Uh, December gets here. January gets here. You get excited again. Wentling said he, uh, or it does get you excited again, making all these footballs, getting in the phase and saying, bang, we're back doing it again. So it's pretty cool. <laughs> all right. The process includes five steps, cutting, sewing, turning, lacing, and molding. Uh, While the balls have been made in the same plant since 1955, operations will soon shift to a brand new state-of-the-art facility. And that's when a competitor will be able to nip at the heels of Wilson.
1: And it's kind of interesting because the whole um, history of the Super Bowl then has been through this one facility, right? Because the Super Bowl hasn't been around very long.
0: Kind of interesting, huh? San Francisco mm-hmm. 49ers and Kansas City Chiefs have each been given 108 footballs for this year's superb owl with 54 reserved for practice and the other 54 meant for game day.
1: Did they swap out the ball frequently during the game? Yes. I had no idea there were so many needed. Yep.
0: Just like tennis balls. If there's a scuff and somebody doesn't like it, they swap it out.
1: Okay. If it's Do they have to carry the balls in their, um, uniforms, like in tennis?
0: <laughs> they put them in their pockets.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> is that a football in your pants? Why? Yes. <laughs> uh, the next article is over in the mobile channel, frog ID or frogged <laughs> <laughs> has just logged. It's 1 millionth frog. The world's largest frog project has thrived because of citizen scientists using the frog id app the brainchild of a unsw biologist the article but is it over was an
1: obvious question how many others projects of these further <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh it's like silicon uh what was it silicon valley the show where uh the one of the developer or one of the um like startup guys um made a hot dog pic, uh id thing like it would say if it was a hot dog or not a hot dog
1: oh, okay. when you
0: take a picture it says hot dog or not a hot dog uh before i get too far into this let me throw this into the chat there you go we're halfway officially we're halfway through the show so, Northern, uh, sorry, University of New South Wales is the author of this article. It was posted at fizz.org and it says Frog ID an app citizen an app citizen scientists use uh, to help record and count Australia's frog population has reached a new milestone by logging one million validated frog records. The one million frogs. That's a
1: fro- lot of frogs.
0: It is a lot of frogs. What if there's somebody that's actually taking like 10,000 fro- uh, pictures of the same frog?
1: Exactly. <laughs> Are they 1 million unique frogs?
0: Well, apparently the 1 millionth frog was of a Spalding's rocket frog recorded about 50 kilometers from Cloncurry, Northwest Queensland by volunteer citizen scientist, Dr. Elliot Leach. All right. your average everyday volunteer citizen scientist with a doctorate
1: exactly
0: (laughs) i i think it's pretty cool normals i think this is pretty cool i think more of this kind of stuff should be used you know um Uh because right now it's kind of (laughs) the the stuff that gets a lot of attention is basically the dumpster fire of life you know that's the stuff that gets posted I wish people would put that much effort into something like this, you know, well, identifying mushrooms and identifying and plants. And it gets
1: people excited about science and preserving nature and all kinds of good things. Plus it gets people outside, which is not a bad thing.
0: But I guarantee you there are people that are, would poo-poo my idea of gamifying it and making it entertaining. so Because they're like, well, this is serious and we need to gatekeep it and keep the riffraff out. But then when you go and look, I used to think that um, uh, golf was this quiet sport, but I found out historically that depending on the hole, people would charge the the golf ball after it went in the hole so that they could own the golf ball from that shot, even way (laughs) back.
1: Can you imagine seeing that now? I mean, it's usually pretty sedate.
0: Oh, they still do it. No, 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 it's really loud. People are cheering and oh yeah golf is actually quite like boisterous nowadays more so uh, than back in the day um but whenever i heard like golf commentary it was like okay it was like
1: almost like sleep app almost
0: asmr-ish you know like Uh bob smith is on the fifth (laughs) green his uh He's using a 9-iron, and I've just put 15 people into a coma. (laughs) Uh, Lead scientist behind Frog ID, Dr. Jody Rowley, or Rowley, um, who is with uh, UNSW Sydney's School of Biological Earth and Environmental Sciences, uh, sciences, and is curator of amphibian and reptile conservation biology at the Australian Museum. (sighs) Hold on, I need a drink.
1: Yeah. <laughs> by the time you get to the end of that title you <laughs> need to start over because you lost track
0: yeah really wait I might have had a stroke um, said she was thrilled and grateful to the tens of thousands of frog ID users across Australia this is only Australia by the way can you imagine it going exactly. global
1: think if it was worldwide
0: yeah yeah um, so yeah across Australia who helped achieve this milestone Pretty interesting, right? So they say things like Elliot Leach's submission is also the first frog ID submission from the area, effectively increasing frog ID spatial coverage to only 36.5% of continental Australia. They're only a third of the, of Australia and they've done a million already.
1: Wow. So, so that's going to be a lot of frogs in total. <laughs>
0: Dr. Rowley who verified the millionth call said Spalding's rocket frog sounds like a, Chicken combined with a lawnmower. All right. <laughs> it's an unmistakable sound according to this article.
1: That's oddly specific. <laughs> yeah,
0: really. How do you know this?
1: <laughs> right.
0: Why does this. Mm. Okay. I, there is no way that it's that cold in my studio right now. Uh, So the the Frog ID app and the data collected from 1 million frog records are an inspiring example of how technology and science can empower Australians to tackle important environmental issues, says Minister Graham. There's a whole lot more in this article, um, but I'm going to just link you to it, which is already in the chat. Um, We definitely can't do... Uh, this article justice, um, because they talk about how frogs can act as a canary in a coal mine, which is really a sad thing, because when the canary dies, there's too much toxic gas in the coal mine. And frogs are basically the equivalent wherever they might be.
1: Oh, OK. So they're one of those species where they're a great predictor.
0: Yeah. Leading mm-hmm. indicator.
1: Yeah, depending on what's happening in the environment.
0: Yep, they're a leading indicator to um, negative environmental impacts. Um, Really sucks. Uh, This next article is over in Mobile. That is one of the many channels that we have over at BoomTown.com. Virgin Galactic ground space tourism flight after piece of ship accidentally detaches. I titled this a piece. of... Dropped off a spaceship.
1: <laughs> what? That gives you comfort yeah. in the mission.
0: Yeah, I'm not too hip to this. I don't want anything to drop off of anything anywhere at any time, be it my car or a boat somewhere. But least of all, space.
1: <laughs> exactly. This would be bad enough if it was like a bicycle part
0: uh yeah so i'm not interested in this but virgin galactic has grounded its current space tourism flight after a small part of its mothership unintentionally detached the company (laughs) well i guess that's
1: good detail right not intentionally
0: it's budding um evan rosen over at uh, new york daily news no relation they're not cousins or anything because hometown daily news right um so new york daily news Uh, It's posted on fizz.org, though. The chat has the link already. Uh, The safety of the mission was not impacted, and the discovery of the lost part, known as an alignment pin, was found during routine checks in accordance with regulations, the company said in a statement. Hey, I bet you the people who put this uh, alignment pin also forgot to put the bolts in those planes.
1: The Boeing 737-9
0: yeah oh man I know somebody who was on one of those so um, the freaky thing about it is those bolts weren't there to begin with apparently
1: right I thought the problem was that they were loose or they they fell out or whatever but they weren't present
0: apparently that's according to it makes you
1: wonder how many times that flew before that issue occurred
0: before that door just got sucked off there yeah wait I need to rephrase that um blew out oh, damn it that's not right either. anyway the faa said it plans to carry out mishap investigation and added that it must approve virgin galactic's final report including the corrective actions which can be summarized as put a pin in it
1: yeah exactly put some glue on it
0: just kind of you know like a mmm. Like dabbing down an eyebrow or something, like mom <laughs>
1: exactly.
0: lowering, uh, what the, like mama would like uh, on their finger and then go like that on right. a cowlick, like, right? Yeah. Thanks, mama. <laughs> so FAA has to be like mama and uh, go and make sure that the alignment pin is in place. It's normally located on the underside of the VMS Eve carrier jet or mothership, a twin fuselage plane that carries the space plane to high altitudes before it's released and launches into space. Well, guess what? It was not pinned properly. Let's keep going. Uh, The next article, this is another one from the Hill that got messed up during its aggregation. Consumption of teas, takeout, hot dogs could come with a side of forever chemicals. Gotta love this.
1: Everything has forever chemicals.
0: Sharon Udison over at The Hill put the article together. There's no deck statement, but forever chemicals like PFAS and all of that um, are going to be mentioned. So if you're triggered by that kind of stuff and you don't want to know that you're being contaminated, you might want to look away for the next five minutes or so. Young adults whose diets are rich in unsweetened teas, processed meats, and take uh, takeout foods could be increasing their exposure to forever chemicals in a new study. Unsweetened teas?
1: That one I really don't understand.
0: That's all I drink. I drink water and unsweetened teas. What the hell? Altering these eating habits could bring noticeable declines in the levels of these compounds known as PFAS that are contaminating their blood, according to a study published Monday in Environmental International. Quote, we're starting to see that even foods that are metabolically quite healthy can be contaminated with PFAS. Lead author Haley Hampson, a doctoral student at the University of Southern California's Keck School of Medicine, said in a statement. The findings highlight the need to look at what constitutes healthy food in a different way. Why would I'm, unsweetened tea
1: come close to having... I don't how I could have it. I mean, none of it really makes sense, but that one's really confounding.
0: This is so weird. Um, I'm trying to find that reference again if they actually make... because. If they start out talking about it, they really need to see there it is. So, just one additional serving of tea intake was linked to a 24.8% increase in a type of PFAS known as PFH by S or XS, a 16.7% rise in PFHPS, and a 12.6% surge in PFNA. Those who reported eating more pork experienced increases i'm astonished that a something as simple as tea has forever chemicals in it consuming food prepared at home had the opposite effect the scientists found for every 200 gram increase in home prepped food pfos levels were 0.9 percent lower at baseline and 1.6 percent lower at follow-up in the usc cohort according to the study um so PFOS is another type of PFAS. So, yeah, this is all, this is nothing but bad news. Home-sourced foods were consistently associated with lower PFAS concentrations. Home cooking may help young adults uh, reduce their exposure to PFAS.
1: Okay, uh, so like maybe I get that with the packaging because there's been a lot of discussion about like takeout containers and whatever. But
0: yeah, is that this is the article.
1: problem with, and why would the teas be any different than any other beverage?
0: Yeah, they don't really make a, a deeper mention to that, but they do mention that it's chemicals from the containers because they are um, hot, grease resistant. And so the chemicals from that may leach off into the food. But we've also run across that with microplastics as well. Um, the more flexible yeah, the true. container, etc. Yeah. So plastic again is the, the, the big impactor in our health. Just go and get a hydro flask, just do everything in something, a bowl that is ceramic or, um, lined with something like ceramic, you know, Hydro Flask actually makes ceramic-lined bowls so that you don't have any reaction with the stainless steel, and you don't have plastic-lined. You know, some um, steel containers are actually have a plastic lining around them um, to prevent right. food from reacting with the stainless steel, but it's still transparent. Um, but there you go; you still have the contaminants but let's keep on going um before we go there though let me throw this when you follow the link you'll go to um, this site but obviously on hometown it's a little munched there so but let's keep on going Uh, the next article is over in hometown daily xbox chief announces mysterious event after weeks of leaks Layoffs and drama. I titled this one Weeks of Leaks because it's just too funny to say that. <laughs> um, rumors have emerged that Microsoft may port over games exclusive to its Xbox to the rival PlayStation platform. Hmm, a business update event to clarify the situation. The controversial rumors came weeks after the uh, Microsoft announced layoffs in its gaming divisions. Again, mergers and acquisitions have led to this. Camilo Fonseca over at Business Insider put this article together. So whenever there's a merger or an acquisition, basically it becomes a hot mess of people getting fired and options being reduced. Some of the game's rumored price to be is making... Prices going up. Yep, prices going up. Um, yeah, and, and so anyway. Uh, some of the game's rumored to be making the cross-platform leap include Starfield considered one of the games, uh, biggest games of the year. Although most people were let down by it or many people were let down by it as well as the upcoming Indiana Jones and the great circle. The only game confirmed to be making the leap to Sony's platform is hi-fi rush. So I guess this event, when, when is it? Did they say we've been planning a business update for next week? So uh, do they actually have an actual date? I'm trying to see. Yeah, no, not really. Anyway, this is uh, that was less than three months after Microsoft closed a $69 billion deal to acquire Activision Blizzard, known for titles such as Call of Duty. Duty. The gaming industry as a whole has limped into 2024 with a record 10,500 layoffs last year and 6,200 more in January alone. I was asked this morning. Um, how I felt about the tech sector. And uh, I had to like distill that question down to something that I could actually answer because it's so broad. But I said, if you're talking about employment opportunities, which is what I kind of deduced from the questions, or like whatever the intent was, I sussed it out as being related right. to employment. That's what it was really about. Yeah. Um, I said, well, there have been so many layoffs because in the zeal to adapt to COVID, they did this massive hiring ramp up and then the market collapsed. And so people stopped spending prices for everything and food related went up, housing went up. Um, and then because the people weren't purchasing as much, it declined. Um, in terms of employability like uh, people weren't being hired and then it because nothing was really coming out that was great like a lot out there and people were spending their money on other things now all of a sudden companies started buying back their stock concentrating power and influence within the company and then they start firing people because they don't need all of those people to grow the company and produce a whole bunch of stuff so now we're feeling the pinch so are you going to go into this industry knowing that there's you know twenty thousand people unemployed right out of the gate in 2024
1: right but on the other hand it doesn't seem like it would make sense to go to something in the other direction right because everything's going to be tech related in the future
0: yeah yeah yeah, and then I, demonstrate, I showed people um, a video of um, the new, where is the, I can't remember the name of the, I think it's Tesla itself. It's not a subordinate company, but they have this Optimus Prime robot that has four fingers and an opposable thumb and can move their fingers like a, a human hand. And I said, if you're you're not afraid of a bot like this coming and taking your job, you're not thinking long term. Um, so yeah, people need to be aware of what's coming, um, and humans aren't as important as AI and robotic automation powered by AI. So the the Xbox chief announcing a mysterious event after weeks of. Uh, leaks and layoffs and drama hey guess what maybe they're just leaning in to robots maybe he's gonna announce that he is the first sentient robot and he's running Microsoft so uh, the next article is over in hometown daily YouTube is experimenting with red blue and green video feeds I have actually no idea what this is talking about but I wanted to um, include this because it was such a weird title Um, I said, you know what? We have to talk about this.
1: Agreed. But I I was wondering, does it have something to do with people that have visual impairment or is this for entertainment value? What is this about?
0: According to the article, it says here, YouTube is testing a new feature that allows users to filter videos on their home feed by color, creating a more visually cohesive and pleasing experience when browsing. 9to5Google and users on Lemmy, which I've never heard of, um, have reported seeing a new prompt window appear on the YouTube mobile app asking users if they are craving something new with options to create a feed based on red, blue, or green hues.
1: So does this mean things like the thumbnails, for instance, like if it had red in it, it might show up?
0: Yeah. Yeah and the deck statement by uh jess weatherbed says an unusual filtering option has appeared within the mobile app that allows users to create a video feed based off of color google does this with its search results with images by the way that's already canned in it's been like that for a decade you if you want to search for some for you search for anything and then you choose a color, be it green or yellow or red or orange or whatever color, and it will filter out everything but that. If it has a predominant color feel to it, you're gonna get it. So this is an experimental feature, hasn't been rolled out widely. YouTube spokesperson Allison Toe confirmed to The Verge that it's currently available to select users on Android and iOS mobile devices. Excuse me. The company did not explain why it's developing such a feature. Um, I don't think they mention it. See, so if you do a search and you search red, then you'll end up with things that have a predominantly red context to them. I think it's interesting, but I don't know what, what the purpose is, um, and then the, the the article kind of degrades down into something else. But this has been on the search results of Google. So to me, the only thing that I can think of is that they're starting to integrate something like that Google search results into YouTube and it's just well, it a doesn't natural Google progression.
1: own YouTube.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Well, alphabet.
1: I also wonder if this is going to start impacting how people display their videos.
0: Yeah what's the most popular color and then
1: right like everything suddenly becomes that or they redo their thumbnails or whatever it's gonna be ah, interesting
0: wouldn't that be interesting what is the most popular color and then just put a border around it that has that color and you always show up in the search results for red or green or blue orange purple yeah interesting interesting observation there huh um, let's go on to the next it's the last article for tonight uh, it's in the mobile channel there are lost civilizations under the sea scientists want to find them before it's too late as reported by popular mechanics last week the University of Bradford in the UK recently received a grant worth up to 17 or sorry 17 why did my brain say 17 12 million dollars from the European Council to as the press release put it Hunt for lost civilizations beneath the Baltic and North Seas. Researchers plan on using the latest technology, including AI, of course, to map the seabed and search for prehistoric settlements that were submerged thousands of years ago during the last ice age, I would suspect. Uh, Jordan Pearson over at Vice.com put the article together. We quote, the deck statement says, we know almost nothing, end quote. About ancient peoples whose lands were submerged by rising seas, scientists say, and we must investigate before it's impossible. I agree.
1: Yeah. I think this is great. You sometimes see things about, like, we're exploring space, but we haven't even explored a lot of the Earth. It's mainly an ocean.
0: Yeah, mainly the ocean. Um, So, as reported by Popular Mechanics last week, $12 million from European Council to investigate lost civilizations in the Baltic and North Sea. Um, using the latest tech, researchers in Europe have recently discovered numerous underwater signs of prehistoric peoples. An underwater stonehenge made up of 170 stone carns was discovered under Lake Constance, which lies between Germany, Austria, and Switzerland. Scientists now believe it was made by humans 5,500 years ago in the Bay of Gradina. Um, on the Western coast of the Croatian Island of Krkula, scientists found a 7,000 year old road. Um, I think we actually watched a video about that AI. Um,
1: no, oh, I think so too.
0: Yeah. Um, it's just a road segment, but it actually has potential to reveal a, a bigger uh, civilization. Sorry. So yeah, the, i think that we would find more and more of this on the edges of uh not deep water but relatively shallow waters like around coastal the coast. shelf
1: kind of yeah yeah because
0: there's areas of the uk that are being um absorbed washed away essentially by um the tide and um time team actually did a historical check um because there was a town who that the name seems to have migrated several hundred meters further inland. And so doing their research that I think if I remember right, they, um, realized that that town is actually a different town and the town that they were supposed to be locating was taken by the ocean, you know, years earlier, hundreds of years earlier, back when the Romans were, messing around across the UK. Um, So it says with more funding and field work, we may soon learn even more about the ancient peoples whose societies were lost beneath the rising seas.
1: Do you think there'll be a time team underwater? Oh my God,
0: that would be amazing. That would be so fun to watch. And I'm a diver. So I really like, you know, this underwater stuff. I haven't gone diving in, in a decade plus. Um, But doing something like this is kind of my dream. That's actually what I trained for. So it would be a lot of fun to do this. Um, The thing about this kind of a phrase, it makes it sound like the peoples were lost to rising seas. But they just moved further inland. They didn't just sit there and die there on the shore, you know.
1: But there might be remnants, of course, of old um, buildings and everything that they abandoned.
0: Yep. And that's the that right there, introduction of Neolithic technologies. So, yeah, this would be really interesting to see all of this older stuff and how it was built and perhaps why it was built. Any documentation that might have survived it but because it was written in stone, um, it would be really neat to see this stuff. Okay, well, that's it for today. So everybody get back into the party bus and drive all the way back down Main Street. And we get back to the front page. And I'd click that, but I'm not really sure that I want to do that because everything in the news seems to be a hot mess, except here in hometown where you can filter it out if you are so motivated. Um, With that in mind, I am Mare Watt. That is hometown.com. Up there is the visualizer for the Sentient AI. going to say uh, later. No, I won't say that see you later
1: good night hometown citizens we will see you later for another episode because we're going to get in our time machine and go back but otherwise tune in tomorrow at 8 p.m eastern for another episode of hometown daily
0: you got it cheerio